Welcome to episode 72 of The Climate Champions. Check out past episodes on theclimatechampions.com. I'm Lee Crevat, and each week I publish a new episode with a new climate champion as my guest. If you or someone you know is a climate champion, please let me know at www.crevatenergyinnovations.com. This podcast is being brought to you in part by the Department of Energy's Advanced Grid Research Group, whose purpose is to accelerate innovation in electric transmission and distribution technologies and create next-generation devices, software, and tools to help modernize the electric grid. This week, my featured guest is Yuka Kokonen, Chief EV Educator at Shift2, that's a digit 2, Electric, an electric vehicle market and business consulting and training company in Minnesota. S2E, Shift to Electric, has built impactful business strategies and solutions for utility company EV programs, apartment building and condominium charging, workplace charging, DC fast charging, regional charging infrastructure strategies, dealership outreach, education and training, smart grid integration, and general outreach and education. Please join me the next few weeks to hear my other exciting guests, including Peter Fox Penner, author of the widely acclaimed Smart Power and the newly released Power After Carbon, Enric Sala, National Geographic Explorer-in-Residence and author of The Nature of Nature, Alan Scheller-Wolf, professor at the Tepper School of Business at my alma mater, Carnegie Mellon University, and San Diego mayoral candidate and state assembly member Todd Gloria. Also, COVID infections are on the rise many places in the world, so please be careful out there. And please remember, we're all in this together. While being cautious and alert, please be supportive and kind. Also, take the time to thank the people that are taking personal risks to keep our world moving forward. And if you are one of those people, thank you very, very much. Yuka is an automotive engineer by training, who worked as a technical trainer and area manager for Ford in Europe. In 2010, he founded Shift to Electric to focus on transportation electrification. He has a deep knowledge of the electric vehicle market, specializing in market dynamics and real-life user perspectives. In 2012, he started the Minnesota EV Owners Group, which has become one of the largest and most active regional plug-in vehicle owner groups in the nation. Yuka also draws on his automotive industry background to build and execute impactful auto dealer outreach, engagement, and training programs, and he teaches the EV Market and Technologies graduate course at the University of St. Thomas. Welcome to the Climate Champions. I'm Lee Krivat, and I'm here with Yuka Kukkonen. He's the Chief EV Educator at Shift2 Electric. Yuka, welcome to the Climate Champions. Thank you very much, Lee. It's my pleasure to be here talking with you about this. And I'm sorry that I'm messing up your name. My apologies. With regards to climate change, can you talk about your motivating moment? When was it that you first decided to join the fight? Well, for me, I grew up in a small farm in Finland, so I've always been close to nature myself. When I was a child, I spent most of my time in a forest. So that's where I grew up. So connection is strong there. And then when I was working in automotive industry in 90s, 
I was starting to question my situation there and think about if I want to make a difference in my life, is it going to be increasing the sales of internal combustion engines? And I find myself answering that that's not necessarily the legacy that I want to leave behind. So I decided time for me to do something else. And I actually left automotive industry at that point, went into consulting and training. I think that's a one key moment there is, is deciding that I want to make something that is meaningful. And that changed my decisions from there on. I know it's quite a quandary for our youth. My children are trained in computer science, but they really want to make a difference, especially with what's been going on in the world. But yet they're trained in something else. It's quite frustrating for them, I think. Well, I think you can make a difference in pretty much anything you do. And sometimes it's that you might not be able to make the difference in your day job directly because where you are and how the circumstances are. And then you just have to figure out what are the other ways that I can make a difference. So you just have to choose where you put your effort. I find it very important to me, and I think many other people do. There are some people who don't necessarily think that way, but that's fine. We just have to think about what are the ways we can do it and find those ways. Why is mitigating climate change personally important to you? I think everybody who, who understands the topic understands the importance of it, what we need to do. For me, the really compelling thing there is that everybody can do something. So then what I'm trying to figure out is how I can help people to do things better, whatever their decision is, whether it's driving an electric car, putting solar on your roof, figuring out how to use less energy, biking more, keeping yourself healthy in that way, even changing your lawn equipment to electric. We're actually doing a new program on that next week here. So I'm really excited about that. I watched you do a webinar and you are fantastic and knowledgeable and very passionate. I loved it. What drives you to be so passionate and to care so much? I just feel empowered to be able to do what I'm doing. I found myself that I'm kind of an adult educator in my heart. I like helping people learn new things about topics that are important. I found that when I went to work for Ford in the 90s, and I had already decided that I'm not going to do too much with technology anymore. I'm just going to go into marketing and sales and leadership and other things like that. And then I was asked to become a technical trainer because of my engineering background. I was like, I don't know. Do I really want to be a trainer? I mean, it's just have to go back to the technical side of things. And I'm not, I'm not sure about that. But when I started to do it, I was like, wow, this is really, really fun. It's not so much about the technology itself. It's about working with people, helping them to learn. And I, I really fell in love with that. So that's why I nowadays call myself an educator, because that's really what I, what I like doing. Chief educator. When you can choose your own title, that's how you do it. I know. I got to make myself whatever I wanted to. When you meet people that don't understand or don't believe climate change or the facts that support it, how do you attempt to convince them otherwise? Well, again, the education part is how I approach things. I don't necessarily talk too much about the climate change as a topic because either people understand and get it or they don't want to face that fact. And me trying to explain it again and again to them doesn't make them more willing to face the facts. How I usually approach is that I go and talk about better technology. We have better technology, we have better ways of doing things, and this is what we can do. So whether it's going to be talking about electric vehicle technology, how much more energy efficient it is, 
how much less emissions we are producing because of that. And still they are really so great to use and so fun to drive and easier to power and we can cure our oil addiction, getting cleaner air and all of that. When you talk about those things, if the other person that you're talking to doesn't want to think about climate change, they don't have to. They can concentrate on the things that are more everyday for them and say, okay, well, how does that work in a real life? And then I can explain, well, for me and for the people that I work with, this is how we have seen it working in, in real life. Approaching with the smaller steps, talking about the real life experiences, that's the key there. Because people find climate change this huge, scary thing that is somewhere and coming and, and they just don't necessarily want to think about it. And it's like, don't worry about that. Just concentrate on what you can do right now. It's a big mountain of a problem. So just focus on chipping off your little piece. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the way. And, and, and we can chip off huge pieces when we do it. And it's kind of cool to get people interested and excited about something that they feel a little power. They're like, oh, I can do that. Ah, oh, I'd never even think about that. So you start to talk with them. They have, might have heard electric cars. You talk with them electric lawnmowers. You talk about heat pump water heaters. They're like, wow, what's that? And then you can explain the whole technology and say, oh, I didn't even know that that existed. Well, yes, it does. And this is how it works and all of that stuff. So whatever it is that you think that they might be interested in, talk about that. Can you talk about shift to electric and what you do? So I work to advance the transportation electrification. That's the basic thing that I do. I do quite a bit of education, outreach, and then also some consulting. So my main job is to stay on top of what's happening in the EV market right now and to be able to help people and companies to figure out how they fit into this picture. My corporate clients are utility companies who need to figure out how they can advance the transportation to electric. That's important for them. And then I work with many of the nonprofits too to do outreach and education with them, mostly the general public. I do a trainings for auto dealers about how to sell electric cars. Because of my background, I worked as area manager for Ford. So working with auto dealers is pretty easy for me. I've done quite a bit of that. And it's a very interesting area. And the importance of it will be growing in the future, I would say. And I also coordinate the Minnesota EV Owners Group, where we have about 2,000 members. It's one of the biggest regional EV owners groups in the U.S., and in a normal year, I would say, we do over 100 events a year easily. But of course, this year things have changed a little bit, so we have a little different approach. But the idea still is to provide an opportunity for EV owners to get together, connect virtually right now, and be able to ask questions, share their experiences, and then also wherever we can just educate public about it. It's interesting that your time selling internal combustion engines, ICE, was something you didn't like because you thought you were on the wrong side of climate change, but you leveraged that knowledge in doing what you do today. Yes, definitely. I am actually trained originally as a traditional car mechanic. I have that. I've actually worked as a car mechanic. And then I trained to become an automotive engineer, then worked for Ford Motor Company in Finland for years, first as a technical trainer and then as an area manager for Ford, responsible of the dealership development. So I know internal combustion engine pretty much in and out. I've done a ton of work with it, 
but nowadays it's totally useless information for me from technology standpoint. I don't need to explain anyone anymore what the piston codings are or how the variable camshaft timing works with the spark plug or spark mapping and stuff like that. So it's not important anymore in that way. But at the same time, when you have that background, then you understand the technology well enough and it's easy to compare to a new technology. And I also teach at the University of St. Thomas here in St. Paul. I do EV market and technologies course for graduate students there. It's interesting to have discussions with them because many of them are mechanical engineers. And when we talk about the technology, it's fun to talk about, well, this is how things can be done differently. And that's a one thing that I really love about EVs is that things can be done differently. You used to thinking certain way when you look at, for example, cars, and then you look at what Tesla has done in some areas, and you're like, darn, that's a really cool way to do it. Why didn't I come up with that idea? And it's just great to see that you don't have to be doing the things exactly the same way as if they have been done for the last 50 years or 100 years. Can you talk about how the pandemic has impacted you and your business? Well, for me, I had probably 15 trainings lined up for this springtime. I do quite a bit of in-person trainings. We were doing a lot of lunch and learns to corporations about electric vehicles. So that we just go there, talk with them about the EVs during their lunch break. So we had quite a many of those lined up, but of course then those were canceled. So we had to pivot our approach more virtual and that has worked quite well, I would say, and kind of provides new perspectives to doing things I've done over 20 webinars in the last couple of months since the COVID hit us. And I found new perspectives to it. I'm actually liking the virtual approach quite a bit because you can do things a bit differently. You can use the polls. You can use small group discussions there and things differently. And I'm looking forward. I will be teaching the EV marketing technologies course again at the university this fall. And I have to now push everything to virtual for that too. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. The small group dynamics is always interesting when you're doing training. I really like looking at that and figuring out how we can make the training so that they work for everyone in the group. This virtual approach will have new kind of tools for that, also new kind of challenges. You talked a little bit about your experiences at Ford. Can you talk about other aspects of your journey that brought you to where you are today? First of all, I really liked working at Ford in Finland. It was great. And then when I decided that it's time for me to move and do something else, I moved into consulting and training. So I was then running a consulting organization in Finland, and I met my wife through that way. We actually met first in my first trip to U.S. It was in conference in Palm Springs of all the places and I thought hey this looks quite a nice place here and turns out that my wife was from Minnesota when we decided to get married we had to flip a coin if she's going to move to Finland or if I'm going to move here (laughs) I don't know if I won or lost but I've been here for the last 18 years so that's my story how I ended up here you don't know if you won or lost that's an interesting statement Well, there's pros and cons with these things always. And of course, we've tried to always get the best of both worlds. So we spent a good chunk of time in the summertime in Finland. My kids, who are now 13 and 16, usually are there most of the summer. And I go there for five weeks, usually five to six weeks. And my wife goes there for three weeks. Well, this year, that didn't happen. So 
We are in Minnesota the whole summer, so it's a different experience, a little bit hotter, much more humid here. But just experience it this time, uh, this way. But otherwise, every year we've been in Finland every summer. So that's kind of the idea. Can you talk about setbacks that you've had on your journey? I don't think that I have had any huge setbacks in my journey that way. Small things, of course, all the time come up. Like you want to do things certain way and then they don't go that way. You want to build certain kind of program and it just doesn't work out the way you like. And things like this year, having to cancel so many trainings and then moving into virtual platform. I think that's a good example of the setbacks. It's really is that, that when something doesn't work your way, you have to actually dig a little deeper and, and think about, well, was this a good approach really from beginning? Should I think about doing things differently or should I actually put a little bit more effort into certain area to make this work right? And I found that it has been very educating. You learn a lot when things like that happen and you have to change things. And usually the outcome is pretty good but it definitely requires you to do more work and not just do things as you have done in the past. It seems like a very important skill to be able to decide whether to just stop an activity if it's not working out or whether you should tweak it a little bit in some areas. Yeah, that is true. And and then you also have to think about the market and look at how the market is working in many ways. Like, give you an example. I was working quite a bit with the multi-unit dwelling charging setups so working with apartment building and condominiums in the past 2013-2014 we did a big program with the department of energy looking at what are the best ways to provide charging infrastructure for those properties but the market wasn't growing as fast here even though we had a good number of contacts so i was like okay well we'll just put this aside a little bit we'll support if anyone is interested we'll help them and then concentrate on the other areas right now And now we see a huge demand growing up in that area because there doesn't need to be more than three, four EV owners in certain properties, sometimes just one or two. And that triggers that they have to look into the charging infrastructure. For example, especially if the homeowner association run condominiums, they have to make sure that it's fair for everyone. So they can't just do a well, these two people will get some charging and then we'll look into it again when someone else wants more. They have to look into it holistically. And that's why it requires a much bigger project for them to do that. I think that's a good example of where something that was put aside now is actually becoming a big thing. And you have to kind of focus on that area more now. And the good thing is that utility companies, for example, are now also much more prepared to do more work in that area. So I've, I've worked with quite a bit with utility companies in that area right now. Yeah, I worked for SDG&E and we always had problems with multi-unit dwellings, mud, because charging is more difficult. Yeah, it can be more challenging. But right now, I'd be just so encouraged by utility companies stepping up and providing resources to that area that I think there are good ways to do that. And I've actually visited SDG&E probably like 2014, maybe. So I did visit the place and we talked about the topics and stuff like that when I was in San Diego. Yeah, SDG&E has done a lot of great work to increase electric vehicle sales in San Diego. We have so many electric vehicles here. It's wonderful as you drive around seeing so many of them. I still think there are a lot less in multi-unit dwellings than there are in single-family homes. Yeah, and that's true. It is a bigger thing. I think that 
the utility companies will actually do more holistic programs in the future that will help these entities. So I, I'm very hopeful that we'll see more charging infrastructure available of those. And there's also ways to do it so that you don't have to install everything right away. You can do just a future-ready programs where you just put some what I say is make sure that you build the capacity there for the future and then do as many installations as you need right now, but then make it easy in the future to add more. That's the approach that I really encourage. Make it so that you can do a plug and play installation later on. Yep. Yep. Very much so. What successes are you most proud of? I don't think there's there's anything huge that I would say, hey, this was a great victory or anything like that. I'm just pretty happy with the steps that I've taken and decisions that I made in my life to be where I am right now. I think that's my success in being able to do what I do right now and being able to be part of this is just so rewarding that I'm happy about that. That I would say is my biggest success. Of course, you can point out this or that, but overall, I think that that's the best description of, of my success. I don't think anything can beat being happy where you are right now and feeling like you're doing good in the world. That's a great feeling. Yeah, it definitely is. And and it's sometimes you just you can dwell on something like, "Oh, I should have done that differently or or darn, that that if I would have done something at that time, maybe uh, things would have done differently." And then like, "When where would you like to be at this moment?" And like, "Okay, I'm actually pretty happy where I am." It's actually good that that thing did go wrong because that pushed me then to do things differently and end up here. So your life zigs and zags. If you're happy where you are, exactly how you got there isn't as important. Just appreciate what you have. Yeah. Yeah, definitely that. With regards to climate change and the earth and Finland and the U.S. and Minnesota, what is your vision for the next 10, 20, 30 years? Where are we going to be? Well, I think the things are going in a good direction when we think about people's awareness. So that's increasing. And the other good thing that is happening is the technology improvement that will enable us to provide solutions that help us. People could, of course, say that, well, we don't necessarily need technology. We can just live differently. The challenge is that it's really hard to make people live differently. We've tried that in many ways. And just by saying, you shouldn't drive a car, you should use a bicycle. That's a great thing, and we can talk about that all the time, but if people are not willing to ride their bicycles in the middle of the winter, they'll not ride their bicycles in the middle of the winter. They want their car. So that's why I I always feel that technology is important for us in this, and technology developments are going the way that they will help us. For example, in, in Minnesota right now, we are cleaning the grid really fast. Utility companies have... I would say, seen the light and have done excellent work in this. Excel Energy, for example, here is the leading wind producer in the U.S. and doing quite a bit more all the time. GRE just announced that they will be closing all coal production in two years. So grid is cleaning faster, and that enables us to also clean our transportation because if we get clean energy straight from the electricity providers and then we drive vehicles that don't have tailpipe, there's no emissions left in in that. We don't have the air emissions. And that kind of change will have a big impact, of course, mitigating climate change and hopefully will help us overall. That's not all we need to do, 
But I think that's a really, really important shift because we know that transportation is the biggest emitter overall. So we need to actively work on changing that. And, and that makes me hopeful that the technology at least is there. Now we just have to do the work to educate people and make this shift happen. I often talk about the technology introduction in the clean tech field as coming in waves. So luckily, solar and wind have come down in price prior to EVs really picking up steam. Because if you had a lot of EVs, but you didn't have renewable energy, you wouldn't gain as much. But because we have renewable energy picking up so fast, EVs can come in the wave right behind renewable energy, and they'll be using very clean energy to travel for transportation. So I think that's fortunate for us that technology is working out that way. Yes, definitely is. I would say that both of the waves are important. And even if it would be the other way around, it still would be kind of cool if, it, if we would have had the EV technology first and then the solar and wind would have come second because what we have to remember and what we have to educate always people about is that electric vehicle drivetrain is four times more efficient than the internal combustion engine. That's the biggest difference there. So overnight, you can drop 75% of your transportation energy consumption when you shift to driving electric. And that means if you're just using 25% of the energy, you will be producing so much less emissions, even if it's not done the most sustainable way. So both of these are important, and it's good that they're moving forward these waves. Whichever order they come to, I don't care, as long as we are moving the whole thing forward. So tell me about the world in 20 years. Is climate change solved? I'm not a climate change scientist, so really hard to tell that. But I can tell you that I'm definitely doing my part in working, making sure that we at least have well-educated people to think about it and move to that direction. How well we succeed is, is interesting. But I'm very encouraged by, for example, what has now happened with this COVID-19, how much cleaner the air is right now. Not so much that it would change the climate change per se, but it will give people a new perspective when they see that, okay, if we are not driving as much, this is the change. Huh, that's actually not bad change. Should I consider something here? I hope that that pushes them towards making changes in the way they drive or consume energy in any other way. What do you think will be the tipping point for electric vehicles to become the dominant type of transportation? Right now, we are just climbing up from the valley of death here. As we know, any new technology goes through the first hype cycle and then it goes in the valley of death. And then we are just getting off of that in the U.S. This is interesting when you think about the whole global market, how different markets are in different situations. We have China who is pushing for EVs quite consistently and they have a new growing vehicle market there. So they have a opportunity to do it a little differently. So that's a good thing that they are doing. Europe has seen a huge growth this year because they have just increased their emission standards. So they drop their fleet average to 95 grams of CO2 equivalent per kilometer, which means that every manufacturer now has to provide EVs to the market to be able to sell cars there. And that is a very important thing because that provides availability of vehicles to people so they can actually start to consider it. 
So other manufacturers have to do quite a bit of work right now to meet the standards in Europe, and that way they will also see a huge growth in EV sales in Europe. Here in US, because of our federal administration is not supportive of EVs, quite the other way, I would say, the other manufacturers are thinking about these different markets. We have to work so hard in Europe right now. Well, in US, no one is asking us to do much more than what we've been doing for the last 20 years. We'll just keep selling them the same junk that we've been selling them for the last 20 years. So that's our challenge right now here is that the administration has said automakers are not required to do any more than they have done in the past. So we have become a sideshow. We don't get the latest technology. And then, of course, what I say here in Minnesota is that Minnesota is by design a sideshow of a sideshow then here. So that's our challenge. It's good that California has done much more and we can follow the examples and experiences that, that California has done. So that's very good. But that's our challenge. So Europe is growing fast now this year. That's going to happen. We will see growth there. And as we know, Norway is already over 70% of plug-in vehicles on their new car sales. Other markets like Finland, where I come from last year, they were probably about 6%. Now they are have doubled that over 12% of the sales EVs. So that's the development when you have more availability. I think what will happen in the U.S., is that we get new administration next year, which will change how federal government is approaching new technologies, especially transportation electrification efforts. And that will change the thinking and provide us more vehicle availability and people will be more moving towards electric cars. I think that shift will be pretty dramatic in next couple of years. And on that note, I'm going to wrap this up and I'm going to wrap it up with a wrap. Well, you said you didn't want to cause the earth any harm. You grew up in nature on a Finland farm. You're still very excited. You are not bored. You loved educating people when you were at Ford. Better technology, that's what gets people to act. Climate change isn't going to change them. That's a fact. If you want the grass to get lower, you probably should get an electric lawnmower. You work with big companies like utilities across the nation. You want to advance transportation electrification. EVs are not the best seller when it comes to marketing to an apartment dweller. If you want people to change in the vision you see, you've got to make it easy with technology. If you want to make sure that you can take a clear air breath, you need to get technology out of the valley of death. Your enthusiasm for education, it certainly isn't waning. You love consulting and you love training. Wow. That is very cool. So you just put that together? I did. <laughs> that is really awesome. I mean, that's, that's amazing. I love Yuka's passion for EVs and electrification in general. From electric lawnmowers to electric water heaters, electrification is growing and made even more exciting by the grid's increasing use of renewable energy. If you have comments or questions about the podcast, 
please visit my website at www.crevatenergyinnovations.com and drop me an email. I would love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying the Climate Champions podcast series, please subscribe, rate it five stars if you're an Apple user, and tell your climate-concerned friends about it. If you're interested in learning more about EVs, definitely check out shift2electric, and the two is a digit, dot com slash EVinfoList. Yuka has done a great job documenting all of the EVs available both in the Midwest and in the United States, as well as their safety ratings. His dedication to educating people on the awesomeness of EVs is critical to mitigating climate change. Mm-hmm.